What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Fantasy Alarms 2-Minute Drill. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by James Grande. We are recapping Week 9 of the Fantasy Football NFL season. Grande, Week 9, it was a weird one. It was a bad one for quite a few NFL teams. Was it a good one for you, at least? Um, seasonally, it was great. Uh, I had a, John and Pemba and I have a team in the Rotowire Championship uh, big big money league. We had a great week. We were the top scorer in our division. Uh, currently, we're recording Monday night. I'm currently the leading scorer in the Rasbowl. I've moved to seven and two in Scott Fishbowl. Good, good. I'm winning my home league as long as Ben Roethlisberger doesn't go for 28 uh, fantasy points tonight, which I think you know, knock on wood, is a safe bet. So yeah, I mean, I it's been a relatively good. Um, Week nine, and I like you said, I don't think many people can really say that. Uh, but for me personally, it was pretty good. Dan, how about yourself? I, I mean, let's let's face it. Everyone who follows you already knows you had a good week. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, it was another great week for DFS. Uh, cash lineup hit for the second straight week. I want to say it's like the fourth time in the last five weeks. So feeling good about that. Uh, season long went okay. Uh, I went to bed last night. Like uh, I didn't watch the Sunday night game at all. I was just assuming that the Rams were going to be able to drop like 40 points on the Titans. Uh, I had <clears throat> Matthew Stafford in my 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 big season long league that I care the most about, and he put up a dud. And now I'm down two and a half points going into Monday night football, and I have Khalil Herbert, who I just need to scratch and claw <laughs> to get me three points. And I'm going to sweat this out. I was feeling really good. Like, I woke up this morning. I'm like, yeah, two and a half points from Khalil Herbert. That's fine. I knew David Montgomery was going to be coming back, too. And I'm still sweating this out. I'm just hoping he can get, like, 10 to 12 touches. Just scratch out just a few points for me so I can take the W and stay in first. But we'll kick it off with winners and losers. Uh, I already touched about my good week in cash games this week. Uh, A big part of that was Nick Chubb. Uh, popped off. Like, I'm actually kind of happy that the Browns finally realized, like, let's get back to what we're good at. It's running the ball. It's running it with Nick Chubb. Uh, he broke off a 70-yard touchdown bomb, which I missed, but I was still happy with glee. When I came back to my phone, I saw that he scored. Uh, so Nick Chubb is my Week 9 winner because he helped me make some coin. You know what's crazy to me, just to quickly touching on Nick Chubb and just hearing you say, like, the Browns got back – they didn't even really run it enough with Nick Chubb. He only had 14 carries. It's like, yo, when are we going to realize that Nick Chubb can handle a 20 to 25 carry workload? And if you do so, he's going to give you 200 yards a day or 100. I think if Cincinnati was more competitive and it was a closer game, that would have been the case. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a fair, fair but point. The annoying thing with Nick Chubb, and this is even when Kareem Hunt is healthy, is that Nick Chubb will will move the ball with the Browns between the 20s. And he'll break off a huge run to get the Browns inside the five. And then they want to give him a breather. So they bring him to the sideline. And then Kareem Hunt comes in, and he vultures the touchdown. Like, that kind of has been the case with Nick Chubb. And and I'm I'm, I'm more than happy to have played him on a, on a week where he scored twice. Uh, so he's a huge winner for me. So my winner is someone that I drafted uh, the most in underdog fantasy best balls. I have him currently in my Roto-Wire championship. I have him in an NFC league on, um, you know, on uh, the NFBC. Um, and he's honestly my most rostered player. I have him in my home league. Uh, and that's James Conner, Dan. Uh, I took a shot on James Conner a lot, in a, especially in best balls this year. When, you know what? Best ball, half, half point PPR. 
I was someone who was waiting on running back quite often this year. And James Conner was always there at the end of drafts. And I came into the year thinking, you know what? This is Chase Edmonds' first year carrying the workload. Chase Edmonds has never really been someone who scores a whole lot. Um, and James Conner, from the start of the year, has gotten the goal line carries. Uh, Chase Edmond goes down. Hope he's back soon. Um, but Connor just had a monster day. 21 carries, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and he chipped in five for 77 and a touchdown through the air. And I think what's significant about that is when I'm doing the value or when I'm doing the target analysis every week, every week I can, when I go to the running back section, I pencil in Chase Edmonds. I already know there's going to be five targets on the board for Chase Edmonds minimum. And what do we see? Really nothing changes, even with quarterback, even like the scheme just stays the same. Um, Chase Edmonds projected to miss a couple more weeks um, due to the ankle injury. Uh, it's James Conner season full force right now. And and you and I had talked about this in previous weeks. If this was sustainable, well, you know, he's proving that it is. And he's going to get the obviously more workload and more opportunity to show that it is the real deal. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my fantasy loser, I've already touched on it. I was very disappointed in Matthew Stafford. Um, at the same time, though, uh, the Titans secondary in their defense, they've been they've been performing pretty well over the last three games. Um, you know, they, they limited Patrick Mahomes, kind of kept Carson Wentz in check. Uh, but at the same time, I was I was expecting much more uh, from Matthew Stafford than what I got last night. He's kind of the reason I'm in this two and a half point hole sweating it out with Khalil Herbert. Um, so while I've, I've loved Matthew Stafford, uh, most weeks tonight or this week, he is a loser for me. Um, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys offense who just laid an absolute egg and I get it. They scored 16 points, but it was all garbage time. And Malik Turner caught two touchdown passes, Dan. I don't know. First off, I don't know what Dak Prescott was doing in that game at the end. He shouldn't even have been in that game. Um, but Amari Cooper, two for 37. CD Lamb, two for 23. Zeke, you know, got a two-point conversion that, like, somewhat salvaged his day. Um, but Dak Prescott, two touchdowns, an interception, only 200 yards. It's just, it was a nightmare. Um, this was a matchup that they should have fully exploited. Um, in the running game, Zeke Elliott, I mean, Denver was a bottom five run DVOA defense coming into the game. Um, at home, like just a disaster. This is supposed to be one of the more high octane offenses in all of football. One of the offenses that we're leaning on in fantasy. Um, I have a ton of shares of everyone in this in this offense, um, and they just were a complete disappointment. Uh, so I'm just gonna go on a whole scale Dallas Cowboys offense. All right, uh, we'll start off with the first weird weird result of the day: the Bills lost to the Jaguars nine to six. First off. WTF. <laughs> Secondly, uh, bad games were pretty much the the whole the story of week nine. It was, it was very strange, very weird. Um, I had a buddy text me and he's like, I won every single league that I'm playing in. But he's like, he also said like, you know, th but this was a week for bad offenses, offenses. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a bad sign for you if you're succeeding. <laughs> when Like the best offenses in the league are struggling. Uh, but Josh Allen had two picks and uh no touchdowns, but he did salvage the day with 50 yards rushing, at least still overall very bad performance. Uh, but we did see that in the proper game script, when the Bills are in tight games, uh, they have plenty of uh, arms that they or players that they can distribute the ball to. Four players in the Bills had at least eight targets. 
Uh, but the Bills did lose Zach Moss. So how much fab do you think that are you willing to spend on Devin Singletary? And what can we possibly expect from him going forward if Moss has to miss time? Dan, it's Matt Breida's season. What do you mean, Devin Singletary? It's Matt Breida. Don't you know I'm the number one Matt Breida stand there is? I forgot about this. I wish I had known about th- I wish you had mentioned something before I s- we started or after I sent the notes. Uh, no, I'm I mean, more of a Devin Singletary stand. No, I mean, look, I think Devin Singletary is actually a pretty good football player. I just, you know, I think that maybe they think it's something to do with the size. They like Moss in the red zone. Whatever the case is. Singletary is the guy. The problem is always going to be the same, though. Josh Allen doesn't necessarily dump the ball down ever. So it's not like Singletary is suddenly going to be... I mean, I get it. This game excluded. This game excluded, right? This this past game excluded because Singletary was involved heavily. But when it, when's the last time Devin Singletary has had eight targets in a game? Let's. I don't think that's... I think that's ever. I don't know if he's ever had eight targets in a game. Um, in three seasons, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, he has this year. His max is was five coming into the game. Last year, uh, week one, he actually had seven, and then he had six in week four. Never got over five, and then his rookie year, um, he had eight against Baltimore. So he matched his career high. He's had more than six targets three times in his career. Um, so you know, it's not like suddenly this. Like, oh, Devin, Devin Singletary is now injected in this offense that likes to dump the ball down and loves to run. They still threw 40, they threw 47 freaking times yesterday. Um, so in terms of how much fab, well, <laughs> I, I guess it's going to be pretty like. Rob, it's always hear, the biggest position of need when it comes to waivers. Right. You're gonna, like everyone you're gonna, wants running back depth. You're going to hear me do pretty much a complete role verse on everything I was just saying, and I'm going to go against it. And it's going to be a lot because everyone needs running backs. So 30, 40, I can say at this point, it's, you're going into week 10. If you still have a boatload of fab, Dan, 50%. If you 60%, if you want to ensure that like I'm getting my guy – I need a running back, right? It's kind of like we, we've made this argument for Elijah Mitchell earlier in the year. It's like, you need a running back, go get him. People made the argument for Chuba Hubbard. You need a running back, go get him. I guess there's no difference in this situation. Uh, a guy, This guy has actually proven something. Like Elijah Mitchell is a rookie. Chuba Hubbard's a rookie. Devin Singletary, we've actually seen have success. So if you have a lot of fab, maybe as, as much as you can shovel out um, – this week because like you said Zach Moss is hurt I think what's interesting about Singletary is that you know he came on strong and he had a fantastic he had a really strong finish to his rookie year when he was splitting carries with Frank Gore at that time and then after that the Bills went out and they drafted Zach Moss with I think like a second or third round pick and a lot of people were wondering like well why would they do that because Singletary didn't necessarily do anything to really uh you know warrant them to you know get more running back death but perhaps they just like to run their offense with two running backs. I mean, uh, you know, even for the early stretch of last year, I I was more on Singletary than Moss, but based on the usage between the two in December of last season, I was higher on Moss coming into this season, Uh, but it's a great opportunity right now for Singletary. Uh, The Bills get the Jets next week. Should we expect Buffalo to run up the score after putting up nine against Jacksonville? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Packers and Chiefs, another absolute dud. We knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to play, but the Chiefs, uh, both teams look like crap for what it's worth. Mahomes continued to make uncharacteristic mistakes. Travis Kelsey's dropping the ball. The running game has been pretty rough the last three weeks for Kansas City. <laughs> Jordan Luck, or Jordan Love, sorry, looked every bit of a rookie in his first career start. Um, I don't even know if he got to 12 fantasy points, which I don't feel bad for you if you played him in DFS. Um, somebody asked me in the NFL DFS Discord Sunday morning, they asked, if you're making 20 lineups, how many are you putting Jordan Love in? And I said, no more than two. And they were actually surprised by that, which kind of surprised me in turn. Like, I don't want to pay for a quarterback. I understand the discount was great. He was like 44, 4,500. But that's just not – that's that's not for me. Um, I'm not going to pay for a quarterback that I know absolutely nothing about. Um, I'd rather pay up for, you know, Lamar Jackson, who who was in my cash line. He did really well. I, I would have rather paid up for Patrick Mahomes, who's still a pretty bad day. Um, but what are your biggest takeaways from this game? Uh, given how bad the Chiefs have looked lately, would you stream the Raiders' defense potentially next week? So I was going to ask you about the Jordan Love thing because I was definitely one of the people pumping the price tag play. Um, and I never once was like, this is going to be – never once did I expect like 20, 30 fantasy points. Um, because You're probably you got, hoping for like 16 or 18. If you got 15 to 18 fantasy points out of a $4,400 player at your quarterback spot, <clears> you are in a really good position. That puts you in a position to spend up everywhere. Camara, uh, you could have spent up whoever you wanted anywhere, right? Um, because, you're, I mean, you're spent, You're going to get a cheap defense. You're Unless you were paying up for Waller or Kelsey, you were playing a cheap tight end. Um, so... The argument was never like, I think Jordan Love is going to go out there and be dynamite and replace Aaron Rodgers. He's, this is exactly what's going to happen. Far, far Rodgers now is Rodgers. No, but he was 4,400. I think it was worth it. Plus, the Chiefs came in 32nd in the league and passed DVOA. 32nd. 32nd. That is dead last. Um, their offense hadn't looked great. Maybe they were going to punt more, give Love more possessions, or... They were going to look good because Jordan Love couldn't figure it out, build a good lead, and then Green Bay was forced to throw. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what happened. And he kind of got there, right? Again, you're not wrong or it's like, you know, you got 12 fantasy points, so it wasn't great. But also it didn't – I don't think that would kill you. John, I know John played Jordan Love and cashed yesterday. Was he – he – Fringe cashed? John sure. Glennon would have comfortably cashed in like 50-50s and double-ups, but I think he only right. played it in GPPs. Only played it in GPPs. Yeah, yeah, not a cash game guy. But I'm just saying, you still could have had a good day with Jordan Love because his price was so low. Now, you know, everyone that had a good day played Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert, but I'm just yeah. saying, I think the, the discussion and like the the viability of it was there. Um I also think that any other week, if it wasn't like this chaotic week where we just had weird results across the board, it probably would have worked out. And I'm probably eating my hat because like if you played if you played him with someone like Eckler, who got a snowflake on DraftKings, or if you had Zeke in your lineup, who Zeke missed a good portion of the game because he was, you know, a little beat up at times, you know, like the, the the guys that you could spend up and afford to play with Jordan Love. Like it was a down week across the board for a lot of like expensive guys, so it was really playing love and hitting with the right guys that Correct. weren't a complete bust. Correct. Um, 
And to answer your question about playing the Raiders defense, I would. Mahomes has thrown a pick in every game. Yeah. Like what's what's the down? I guess what's the downside to doing it? You know, at, I guess at the, the downside point, is that they blur, they break out. <laughs> Oakland secondary is terrible, but their pass rush their is so good. Their pass rush, dude, I think, is their, so good. Their pass rush is graded like the best according to Pro Football Focus. But I mean, you know, the Raiders just had to release another first round pick yeah. from the 2020 draft class earlier today. Uh, Damon Arnett. Uh, a ton of off-field issues from what it sounds like. And this, the more recent one with the video he posted was, I guess, the final straw. Uh, but we'll move on to the next game. Titans upset the Rams. It's shocking. I went to bed. I wasn't expecting it when I woke up. Um, but the Titans defense has been playing much better of late. I think over the last three games, they've held Mahomes, Wentz, and Matthew Stafford to a total of about 48 to 50 fantasy points. It also depends on um, the format that you play in. But right now, as it stands, the Titans have the best record in the AFC. Do we believe that they're the best team right now in this conference? <sighs> I don't think anyone believes that they're the best team in the conference. Do you believe it? I don't I don't think I believe it. Um, I mean, I definitely think Buffalo is showing weaknesses um, over the last two weeks. One of the losses came against the Titans. Fair. Um, like... I am a firm believer in Lamar Jackson and anything Lamar Jackson touches turns to gold. So I know the Ravens have plenty of deficiencies themselves, but you know, when Lamar Jackson is Superman, I don't think anyone could beat them. Um, And I know he threw that late pick yesterday and almost cost him the game, but then drove him down the field in overtime. And um, so I don't think I would pick Tennessee to be the best team in, in the AFC. Um, the AFC West is a slaughterhouse. They're all they all have five wins. Who the heck knows who's going to come out of that conference or out of that division? Um, I guess I'm talking to myself into it more, but I would still pick the Ravens if it was if it was like if this was the AFC Championship game and the Titans were sitting there. Like I think the Ravens would represent the AFC. I was also going to say the Ravens before you started mentioning the bill the the Bills, but like in their recent four performances, but. The defense still kind of concerns me for the Ravens, but like the the offense that they have, I'm not as concerned as with the run game as I was early in the year. Um, right. Latavius Murray hasn't looked great when he's played, but however, Devontae Freeman has actually looked pretty serviceable. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, he's he is probably my my favorite running back to add off waivers this week. Uh, waiver wire article will drop tomorrow. Um, but you can just get a sense with how they're how how much they're looking at Rashad Bateman. Uh, so mm-hmm. early, he's only played three games, and I think he's had at least six targets in every game. Um, and you know he's got a big game. He's got a breakout performance coming eventually. Uh, but we'll move on to the next game. No Murray, no problem. The Cardinals were without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and they still put up 31 points on San Francisco. Uh, but they may have lost Chase Edmonds for a couple weeks with a sprained ankle. We've already touched on James Conner. I'm not sure there's anything you want to mention anymore. But on the other side of the ball, for the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk caught six passes, found the end zone. Uh, I want to say he's actually led the team in, in routes and uh, maybe air yards, but don't quote me on that one. But, you know, given the awful start he had to the season, he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. It looks like he's worked his way out of it. He's still not the greatest route runner, but he has <laughs> – I think he has about 15 targets in the last two weeks. Is there a way from here to the end of the season, is there a way that he can finish as a wide receiver too? 
Are you are you worried if they make a change at quarterback? Like if they go back to trailing Lance, is that going to kill him? So Brandon Ayuk, according to PFF, is currently listed uh, one one away from being the nice receiver of the of the pod. He's wide receiver sixty eight right now, Dan. Nice. Well, <laughs> almost nice. Almost nice. Um, he has had one top fifty finish. You're telling me in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games, Brandon Ayuk and his one top 50 finish is going to be a top 24 receiver. I get the guy is super talented, but that is a very crazy uphill battle to climb. I don't think he can get there. I think it's weird because he can become a weekly wide receiver too with the volume he's getting. But I don't think he can finish as a wide receiver, too. You know, like, it's like if Michael Thomas came back, he would be a weekly wide receiver one. But he would never finish a wide receiver one. He would have had the se- half the season gone. Um, so do I think he can finish a wide receiver? I don't. Wide receiver two? No. But I think he can be a weekly start and can be considered a wide receiver two. All right. Last uh, segment for us. Believe it or not, take it away. This is your show. All right, so we're going to head to the quarterback position, Dan. And there's a couple guys currently outside of quarterback one range. And I get it. Um, A couple of them have had injuries. Um, A couple of them have had COVID. Um, So do you believe, Dan, that QB 13, Aaron Rodgers, QB 14, Dak Prescott, and QB 17, Matt Ryan, will all finish. And, you know, I threw Matt Ryan in there because I think um, uh, – I'm confused as to why he's in there. (laughs) He has four top 12 finishes over his last five games. Um, Very respectable. uh, You know what? Let's cut Matt Ryan out of a second. Do you believe QB 13, Aaron Rodgers, and QB 14, Dak Prescott, will not finish QB 1s this year? Um, no, I still think they will. Um, I think it's it's probably going to be a tougher challenge for Rodgers if he misses another game, but I do think that he he'll the Packers will find a way to get uh, him active and, and ready to go Sunday. But <clears throat> I don't think they're necessarily – I don't think Rodgers finishes necessarily as a high-end QB1. Top 10. Um, yeah, top 10 possibly. Yeah, probably. When I, say top, when I say high-end QB1, I don't think he's – Finishing top five, um, mostly because I think we talked about this when we first started doing the podcast around week one or two. You know, the touchdown regression for Rodgers was was in the cards for him. I think last year he had an all time career high touchdown rate that was just due to regress. Um, and with that, still a QB one. I mean, I have him in my Scott Fishbowl league, but he's probably going to finish probably eighth or ninth. Dak, I'm still a little more optimistic with um, because I still think there are bigger games for him. He has the weapons, the offensive line. Um, just haven't seen it, whether it's because they, they're they worried about – it's not so much the ankle injury that he sustained last year, but there are just like small, nagging, weekly yep. injuries with him, and they're either not letting him run as much. I honestly can't even tell you off the top of my head how much he's run. I haven't watched too many Dallas games. I'm mostly focused on Zeke. Overall, though, I would still say that they finish as QB1s. And my second and final question, 
Uh, we're going to San. We're going back to San Francisco, and I think it was uh, it was interesting you brought up the Brandon Ayuk thing um, because I want to know about Debo Samuel, and what I want to know is he's currently wide receiver four. Yeah. But, but you just mentioned Brandon Ayuk has broken out. We also saw the return of George Kittle in a big way um, in Week Nine. Will Debo Samuel? Current wide receiver four, finish outside the top 12 at receiver. No, I actually don't. And I actually got it. I remember I got into, I wouldn't say a heated debate with someone in the NFL seasonal, seasonal discord a couple weeks ago. But at the time, my argument with against Debo wasn't so much volume because he's had at least eight targets in every single game this year. Um, he's had nine targets three times. He's at double digit targets four times. Like he's getting fed. He's getting looked at. My concern with Debo was always the efficiency because I do remember when he had that monster game against Seattle where he had 156 yards and two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was an absolute blown coverage. I think the defender fell down and Debo was just wide open to take <laughs> it like 76 yards to the house. And so it was, it was just little things like that where I'm just like, you know, I think his average depth of target last year it was like 0. 0.5. Yeah, insane. I think, I think most of his targets were right at the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yep. And and so I'm like, if if that's what we can expect from him in this offense, like I really don't expect him to maintain this efficiency. But he has. And the volume is still there. He's still an efficient uh, player. He's averaging 18 yards per reception, which is still crazy in my mind. So I think uh, the – like he's getting eight targets at least. He's probably going to get nine to ten targets every game going forward. If you're getting that kind of workload, he's still going to finish as what do you say, top twelve? I just said receiver? top twelve. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna he's he's going to finish as a top ten wide wide receiver. Okay, so top. Would you bank on Debo Samuel if you had a couple extra dollars to, as a top eight? Put put money where your mouth is. Top eight receiver. I'm trying to think if there are eight. Here, uh, the, here's the current. Here's the current top eight: Cooper Cup, yeah. Tyreek Hill, yeah. Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Marquise Brown, Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin. I'll say he's he can finish as a top eight because I'd still rather have him over Pittman. Oh, I knew you were going to say it. I just can't believe you said it. Who was the other one? It was Brown, Pittman, and who was the third one in that bottom Chris, of the year? Chris Godwin. With yeah, Antonio Brown still Antonio Brown still in a walking boot. I know. I know Thirty target a game, Chris Godwin. Thirty target. <laughs> uh, I'd still take him over um, because the thing is, is like Debo is like a reliable option, and I'm not saying Godwin isn't, but it it does feel like when Brady has all his receivers, it either changes weekly or he's focused solely on Antonio Brown. He absolutely loves Love Antonio him. Brown. And Tom Brady throws it to the guys that he trusts, and he still throws it to Mike Evans. He's still going to throw it to Gronk in the red zone. Godwin will get his targets. But right now, you know, it looks like Debo is the top pass-catching off, pass catching off option in his offense. And so I'll say he finishes top eight ahead of Pittman, Godwin, Marquise Brown. I know we talked about him a couple weeks ago, but I, I think he, can, he finishes top eight as well. Okay, and don't forget about the names coming behind him. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 9, getting Russell Wilson back. Um, Mike Evans, wide receiver 11. Robert Woods, a uh, friend of the program, now wide receiver <laughs> wide receiver 12. So uh, some good names uh, right on his heels, but uh, I do think Evo Samuel can finish uh, wide receiver 1 
as well. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Grande, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you in week 10 and best of luck to the FA Nation.